The latest research shows an increased inflammatory response in depressed patients. What might the evolutionary advantage to this link be? Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt, author of You Can Think Like a Psychiatrist, your host, and with me today is Dr. Charles Raison. Dr. Raison is an assistant professor in the Department of Psychiatry and Behavioral Sciences at the Emory School of Medicine, where he also serves as director of the Behavioral Immunology Clinic, clinical director of the Mind-Body Program, and co-director of the Collaborative for Contemplative Studies. His research focuses on bidirectional relationships between stress and immune systems, especially as these pertain to depression in the medically ill. Welcome to ReachMD. Thank you. Glad to be here. Dr. Rezan, tell us about this inflammation-depression link. Well, this is, I think, one of the most fascinating things that's emerging in the neurobiology of mood disorders, which is that there's increasing evidence that if you look at people that are medically healthy, as far as we can tell, but who have depression, ranging from even fairly mild depressive symptoms actually to very you know, severe depression, that as a group, people with depression have evidence that their inflammatory response systems are activated. So the arm of the immune system that we call innate immunity, which is really the complex of chemical reactions that occur immediately upon exposure to a bacteria or to a virus, the chemicals that set you up to develop sickness when you're exposed to a pathogen, that those complex of chemicals on average are are overactive in people that are depressed. Now, why might this be from an evolutionary perspective? It doesn't make intuitive sense to me. Yeah, it's interesting. I agree. At first blush, it doesn't seem like a rational choice for the universe to make because we know that inflammatory molecules make people tired. We know they make people sick. There's good evidence they make people depressed. And of course, inflammation is increasingly fingered, actually, as a primary pathologic process within all the major modern illnesses from cardiovascular disease and Alzheimer's to diabetes and osteoporosis. So why are we rigged this way? It's a good question. And, of course, there's no solid answer to that, but there's a lot of interesting theories that are beginning to emerge, and I'll talk about that for a second. So, you know, if we think about what it means to be an organism, you know, from an evolutionary point of view, the two goals are to survive and to reproduce. And, of course, in a world of eat and be eaten, which is much of the natural world, you need a system that can help you either run from danger or fight. And, of course, the stress system is for a long time been called the fight-or-flight system. But we may also think about it as a danger system. Its primary purpose is to provide energy and mental focus to survive acute danger. And, of course, if you don't survive the danger, it doesn't matter. You're going to be dead. You're not going to survive. You're not going to reproduce. But we know that danger systems like the stress system also extract a physiologic price on the body, that they exert wear and tear on the tissues and organs of the body because these chemicals, they're caustic. Now, what's interesting is that increasingly we're recognizing that the immune system is also part of this larger danger response system, especially the inflammatory system. And remarkably, there's now very striking evidence that in humans and animals, psychological stressors, even fairly mild psychological stressors, turn on the inflammatory arm of the immune system. And they do so more, interestingly, in people that are depressed than people that aren't depressed. But it's very interesting, you know, why should psychological stress activate 
the inflammatory system and all the attendant tissue damage that follows in the wake of that. And one of the interesting ways to think about this, again, is to go back to what danger systems have been uh, required to do through most of evolutionary history, which is help organisms survive extreme acute danger. So when you think about what it means to be under danger in the animal world, it usually means that you are at danger for tissue damage, right? So you think about whether you're hunting or whether you're being hunted, if you survive, one of the things you're going to have to face often is the breaching of your body's skin. And, you know, in ancient times, even in the human world, this is a huge source of morbidity and a major source of death. And so it makes a lot of sense from that perspective that if you're going to activate your stress systems, it might make sense to prime your inflammatory systems so that they've got a leg up, so that your body's immune system, all the sentinels are now on guard, sort of prepotently ready to respond to the injection of bacteria and viruses and parasites that come with tissue wounding. There's actually some very intriguing data from John Sheridan's group at Ohio State demonstrating that there really may be something to this. So what he's done is he's shown that in social rodents, if you do a stress paradigm where one rodent basically sort of kicks the butt of the other rodent, that you can look at stress system responses and show that the rodents that are most likely to be injured in that social confrontation are exactly the rodents that have stress responses that will release inflammation. So it's very intriguing and it very much suggests that this is probably a primary evolutionary reason for why stress is associated with activation of the inflammatory system. Now when you think about major depression, it's clearly most often a condition that is a dysregulation of the body's stress system. You know, it's sort of like perpetuating stress system hyperactivity. So it makes sense from that vantage point that depression is associated with increased inflammation because it's associated with increased activation of stress systems. And what many of us think is that the tragedy of depression, in fact, and sort of the tragedy of stress-related illnesses in the modern world in general is that they represent an evolutionary mismatch that, in fact, up until fairly recently in evolutionary time, the price you paid for activation of inflammatory responses in the context of stress was made up for by the survival advantage. But now, you know, you think about the stresses that we face in our life. Let's say a boss comes in and shouts at me. Up goes my stress system. Up go my inflammatory cytokines. But, you know, if the boss bites me or rips my arm off, he goes to jail. So it doesn't <laughs> happen, right? So, so we have all these ancient responses. We're like all dressed up with nowhere to go. And we pay the price. We don't get the benefit. And that's a very attractive way, I think, Again, a sort of synergistic way of thinking about the challenge of sort of helping people cope with the stresses in their life that are risks for depression. You know, how can we not have our body respond in this ancient way when we're no longer getting the benefit? If you've just tuned in, you're listening to ReachMD, XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt, your host, and with me today is Dr. Charles Raison. We are discussing the latest in psychoneuroimmunology. Okay, so Dr. Rezan, let's say uh, your boss, who I guess must be Charlie Nemiroff, comes in <laughs> and yells at you. What can you do in today's <laughs> in today's world to fight against that? Since you're right, uh, he, he, he may yeah. not bite your head off, but it might be worse. <laughs> well, at least literally, right? He will actually come in sometimes and say, "Is your cortisol level up?" <laughs> so many of us, certainly at the Mind Body Program at Emory, 
a paradigm that has really moved to the forefront of our thinking is this question of how can we moderate and turn down inflammatory responses to psychosocial stress? Because a lot of evidence suggests that they're not of value in the modern world. In fact, they're probably inimical to optimal functioning. And of course, there's a lot of evidence that antidepressants turn down inflammatory signaling. And so this is a further justification for their use in people that are depressed. We're also interested in preventive measures. And so what do we know about things you can do to sort of down-modulate inflammatory signaling? And what's interesting about this is it's sort of all the stuff that your grandma would tell you, or maybe all the stuff that all the health magazines tell you. It's another way of thinking about why certain things are good for you. So for instance, exercise, although it's an acute stressor, and although interestingly, acutely, it actually activates inflammation. If you look at people who regularly exercise, they show reductions in their sort of baseline inflammatory signaling. So exercise is a very good way to reduce stress, and it also reduces inflammation. Getting adequate sleep is clearly another way to affect inflammatory signaling in positive ways. You deprive people of sleep and it jacks up their inflammatory cytokines the next day. Diet has a role to play and there's going to be some very interesting studies coming out just in the next little while that are going to point to the fact that people who eat a diet that more closely adheres to a Mediterranean type diet, which really means a higher percentage of omega-3 to omega-6 fatty acids than most of us consume in the United States, that that type of diet lowers inflammation and probably is protective against depression, which is very interesting. So diet, sleep, exercise, weight loss. And of course, all those things will help with weight loss because we know that eating the wrong foods, not getting enough sleep, and not exercising makes people obese. Obesity is the, no pun intended, you know, 800-pound gorilla in the room of what can you do behaviorally as a modern American to sort of combat inflammatory signaling. Now, there's other ways that you can combat inflammatory signaling, and I can't talk about this in detail because we haven't published it yet, but we've been doing a very interesting study looking at the effect of compassion meditation in young people, actually, in college students, and have some very intriguing evidence suggesting that students who uh, learn and practice this type of technique may very beneficially modulate their inflammatory and sort of autonomic responses to stress. So this would suggest that meditation in general may also be useful. And we were interested in studying compassion meditation because the other thing that's very much linked with reductions in inflammatory responses to stress is positive psychosocial support. Now, this is easier said than done, but clearly another thing people can do to really sort of optimize their inflammatory responses to stress is to try to exist as much as possible in a world of positive, intimate social relationships. Conversely, conflictual, angry, hurtful relationships drive inflammation up. So I guess I should go become a yoga teacher in my ancestral home in Italy. There you go. (laughs) And then I've covered all my bases, right? Yeah, that's right. Well, how interesting that if we think about the evolution of the whole thing, that clearly we are in a different situation now without saber-toothed tigers breathing down our neck. But really, we're going back to the basics, that good, solid health is what can protect us against many of these things. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, you mentioned the saber-toothed tigers. Another sort of general way of thinking about this, and of course, there's a lot of interest in this right now, is that we would probably be healthier if we readopted some of the sort of pre-civilized lifestyle factors. 
certainly in terms of diet, in terms of exercise, in terms of the sort of very intense group support that was available to people back in Paleolithic and Neolithic times. So, you know, living like a caveman in certain ways is a way of sort of summarizing what we might do to reduce inflammatory tone and, and probably through that sort of optimize our mental and physical health. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. My pleasure. We've been discussing the relationship between stress and inflammatory response and lifestyle with Dr. Charles Raison. Can't wait to see your research on compassion meditation. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. We welcome your questions and comments. Please visit us at ReachMD.com. Our new on-demand and podcast features will allow you to access our entire program library. Thank you for listening.